120 Outdoors is a monthly podcast that looks at the hunting and fishing opportunities we all have close to home. Join Krista Paula and Don Klaus as they share personal stories, interesting facts, and interview unique outdoor personalities. Welcome to 120 Outdoors, where we talk about how to enjoy the hunting and fishing opportunities within 120 miles or 120 minutes of your home. Hi, this is Krista Paula with my co-host Don Klaust, and we're here today talking about turkey, one of my favorite times of year. How about it, Don? Turkey is an integral part of spring. There's so much to talk about with spring. Uh, so many fishing opportunities that are just hitting us in the face now. Uh, things are turning green. Things are starting to pop. For so, so many, though, turkey is a synonymous with spring. Uh, spring turkey is, is giant with hunting in our 120. And uh, it's a time when everybody's ready to get after that who's, who's inclined. To help you out with uh, contacting turkeys in our part of the world, we have two experts to bring you today. One is Mark Wiley, and the other one is Keith Hastings. We'll tell you a little bit more about them coming up. Before we get to them, though, we have to get into a, a little bit of your your turkey IQ. We got to give a little test. Now, wait a minute, you're talking about me now? IQ test here <laughs> on turkey? Chris, forgive me, but I didn't put you in the list of experts, but <laughs> but I know enough about you to know you know a few things about turkey. Yes, I know I love to hunt for them, that's for sure. Well, let's go a little deeper. What is a poult? Oh, so you're seriously asking me that? Okay. Yes, a P-O-U-L-T poult. <laughs> is a young turkey. Good answer. Jeez, I hope, I hope so. All right, let's continue. What is a young male turkey? Uh, it's a jake. Very good. What is a young female turkey? Uh, Jenny. Okay. Okay. What is an, a, a mature female turkey? It is a hen. I'm very, four for four now, right? Very good. Uh, you're going to be an expert <laughs> before we're done here. Okay, and let's get to the big one. What is the adult male turkey? It's a tom. Does it have any other names? A gobbler. Very yeah, good. That's what I'm looking for. All right, Chris is, uh, he's perfect on the, the turkey <laughs> IQ. Thank uh, God. <laughs> we're going to wait a bit before we call him an expert. Uh, yeah, please. So, but, uh, but he, he's, he's in the, he's in the game. So remember those terms because they'll come up as we discuss this with our guests. And with that, let's get to our first guest, who is Mark Wiley. Mark works for the Ohio Department of Natural Resources, where he's a forest game bird biologist specializing in turkey. Mark's going to take us through the outlook for the 2020 hunting season and also reveal a couple of hunting hotspots. Welcome to 120 Outdoors, Mark. Hey, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. We got, uh, we'll come right at you with the, the big question. How's, how's the outlook for turkeys in Ohio? Yeah, yeah, that is, that's a million dollar question. Um, so, so this year we, we are expecting things to be down a little bit from previous years. Uh, typically what we look at is our poll index. Uh, the Division of Wildlife operates a, a summer poll index every year. We have since the late 90s. Um, and basically that gives us a number of poults per hen for the summer. And, and typically what we look at is two years ago um, because the majority of birds taken during the spring season will be two-year-old gobblers. So we're looking at, at the year those birds were produced. So in 2018, we actually had one of the lower poult indices that we've we've had in recent years. It was two poults per hen. Our average is about 2.6. So uh, generally, we, we expect things to be a little bit down. The total harvest number could be down, but still very good. Uh, turkey hunting opportunities in the state of Ohio will still be very good. We'll just likely see that spring total on the lower end of, of our typical average. But of course, harvest total is also impacted by hunter activity. Um, and hunter activity might be a little bit off this year, given some of the, 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 the current situation right. with uh, rest travel restrictions and so forth. Yep. One of the questions I got, a friend of mine that I hunt with um, mentioned, he says, hey, ask Mark about, uh, you kind of touched on a little bit about the the population maybe being down slightly uh, statewide. Is that, what are some of the factors for that, Mark? Is it is it weather related or is it um, habitat predator? What, what exact, can you put a finger on it or is it a combination of all of that? 
if there's one thing you can point to, uh, and, and it ties in a lot of the factors that you mentioned, it's POLT recruitment. So recruitment of, of young into the population because adult turkey survival is fairly high. Uh, you know, they, they will be taken by predators. There is hunting mortality and, and other mortality factors that will take adults. But the majority of our turkeys are lost as poults and typically very young poults. So in a year where we have good weather for nesting and, and brood rearing, um, you can have excellent poult numbers. Uh, of course, predation influences that as well and mm -hmm. habitat. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got to have the available habitat for those, for those hens to pull off nests and for those broods to successfully survive into the adult stage. So... That's one of the reasons we focus on this poult survey is if we have a good poult year, typically we see those adult birds carry on through the next couple of years. They show up as jakes in our spring harvest the following year, and then they show up in big numbers as mature birds two years and three years after that, that year. Similarly, if we have a poor poult year uh, where we're below average, Below average poll numbers, we'll see that carry on through through the next couple of springs, or, or our other population indices as well. What are the ingredients you like to see in what you would call a good spring uh, for for that recruitment? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the simple answer is nothing out of the ordinary in terms of spring weather. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're if you're too hot, if you're too cold, if you're too wet or too dry. Uh, none of those are, are really ideal. You just kind of want a, a nice, mild, moderate spring with no no inclement weather, no severe uh, deviation from the norm. Um, unfortunately, we've not really had much of that in recent years. But, uh, we've had very wet springs with flooding events. Um, no real major temperature swings are, are, are jumping out at me, at least nothing out of the normal right. uh, for, for Ohio. Yeah. Um, maybe some regional things that, that could have caused problems, but uh, anytime you have a major swing or, or a major deviation in, in what would be considered normal spring weather, uh, you start to get worried that you're losing eggs, you're losing poults. Um, once, once those poults get about two weeks, and beyond, they're in pretty good shape. They can start to thermoregulate a little bit better. They can handle cold snaps. They can handle some wet weather. They're more mobile, uh, so they can they can move to to better uh, habitat and evade predators and so forth. But but while they're from the period that those eggs are laid to about two weeks of age, they're very vulnerable, and they can have a major impact on turkey populations two years down the road. Yeah, that makes sense now. Okay. All right. Well, with um, it sounds like we're not too bad a shape now, but um, what would you say are the the good old days of, of turkeys in Ohio? Is that in our past or are we live in it? Uh, where, where might that be? Yeah, yeah, very good question. And it seems like there should be a clever quote there about uh, if only we knew we were living the good old days right now. <laughs> and that may, that may be very well be the case. Uh, um, since about 2000, uh, we've had turkeys, we've had a statewide tur turkey season, at least in the spring. And all of our major turkey indices have been fairly stable. Of course, we see some ups and we see some downs year to year. And most of those are related to uh, to variables like like nest success and, and pulse survival that I've already mentioned. You know, when that goes up, our, our indices go up, and when that goes down, our indices go down. But in general, uh, we've been fairly stable since the early 2000s. Um, some counties, some counties in eastern Ohio that have had turkeys established much longer than some of the west western Ohio counties, they have seen some declines in, in a few of our turkey indices, primarily total harvest, that could have as much to do with hunter movement, you know, where mm -hmm. hunters pursuing turkeys, because in the early 2000s, there weren't a lot of opportunities in western Ohio, so we may have had a lot more hunting pressure in eastern Ohio. But in general, we feel like the population statewide is fairly stable, and, and we're probably living the good old days now. Um, 
we've not had turkey hunting like we've got now uh, since since in the last hundred years certainly um, we were without turkey during the early part of the 20th century and then turkey were reestablished in in the late 50s and early 60s and have slowly uh, gained ground through Ohio with a little bit of help from the the Division of Wildlife Department of Natural Resources. Well, we appreciate that help. Glad to hear things are going well. Yeah, you, you know, two other questions that came up here, uh, Mark, that I got from friends of mine. Um, first one would be, and I know you and I taught, touched on this before, is for what's the, one of the biggest threats for the turkey population as far as predators go? Because I've heard, we've heard so many rumors that uh, some of us feel it's, it's the coyote population. Some are talking fox. Some are saying it's as you and I talked a little bit about fisher cats that are in, especially in northeastern Ohio, is there one particular predator or is it just a combination of all those? I mean, turkey are pretty resilient, but is there one thing that you could put a finger on? Yeah. Um, so that kind of, it depends somewhat on the stage that you're talking about. So as an example, uh, I, we talked a little bit about poults. Yep. Um, so, in those first two weeks, those young poults are restricted to the ground. Uh, they're ground roosting. Um, they, they don't won't take their first flight until they're about two weeks old. So from the time their eggs in the nest to that two-week period, two-week post-hatch, mammalian predators are, are a big problem. And, and that can be predators from uh, raccoon to mink to, to coyote and other things. There's no real standout there among those because most of those are opportunistic predators it's not that they're turkey hunting specialists right right but if they encounter a brood or they encounter a nest uh, they will they will take that that resource uh, and consume those eggs or consume those poles yeah. so again and at the same time avian predators which uh, can take a toll on on uh, on turkey poults as well but once those poults are flighted uh, once they're capable of flight beyond two weeks, uh, they start roosting in trees. The hen will roost, uh, take them into the trees and, and into the canopy and roost. Um, then they're safer from those mammalian predators at that point. Right. Uh, not only can they tree roost, but if they were pursued by a mammalian predator, it's it's a great advantage to be able to take flight. Yeah. Mammalian predators stuck on the ground. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't help you so much when the avian predators are after you. Uh, right. But so they're still a factor. And then, as I mentioned, once those birds mature and put on a little size, their survival rate increases considerably. Um, and they're 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 pretty safe as adults. But there are a few predators out there that are, that are more than capable of taking an adult turkey. Uh, coyotes, as an example, we don't see much of that. Again, a coyote's not going to waste its time chasing a full-grown turkey that can easily fly away from it. Right. Uh, but but those avian predators, uh, specifically the great horned owl, um, that surprises a lot of people. Uh, they, they are capable of taking full-grown turkey, especially off the roost. Wow, that um, I didn't know that. That, that explains. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. That's a big meal yeah, there. Yeah, they are, they yeah. are a, a ferocious predator, and you would think that the size difference there, although a great horned owl is a sizable bird, um, you would think that that would work to the turkey's advantage. But those owls, uh, they're they're fully capable of, of taking an adult turkey. Wow, that I did not know. That's interesting. All right. Um, you mentioned about those uh, those birds uh, finding some safety in the canopy. Um, so uh, I guess you, you've hit on a, a part of my next question. But if you could paint us a little picture on what the what would be the great habitat for for turkey uh, recruitment and survival? Uh, yeah, yeah, certainly. So so recruitment. Um... Again, it depends on the stage that you're talking about. So there's nesting habitat and brood rearing habitat, and then adult turkeys that broadens out a little bit and and in what their habitat needs are specifically. But let's start start at the beginning, I suppose, in good nesting habitat and brood rearing habitat. And generally, what you like to see is a substantial amount of ground level cover. 
so so picture that mature woods that many of us might like sitting in in the spring um, and what's down on the ground for most of us uh, the areas we pick there's fairly high visibility yep. uh, for a long distance now picture a hen trying to hide a nest conceal herself and then lead a brood safely through that type of habitat if she's in you know wide open She's going to be spotted. That those poults are going to be spotted. So that's not ideal habitat for that hen to nest and rear her brood. So she likes a lot more ground cover. Uh, that's herbaceous ground cover, grasses and forbs uh, down at the ground level, and then also some shrub cover mixed into that, where where she's got concealment, where she can hide poults. And if those poults are pursued by a predator, if they're not able to to conceal themselves, they've got, they need some, some sort of structure to try to escape. Um, so that's, that's what that ground level cover serves. So old fields, uh, forest openings, uh, cut areas with, with young forest, what we would consider to be more like grouse habitat. Those can be great areas for poults to conceal themselves, pick bugs, which is really all that poults are doing through the spring and summer other than trying to survive is they need a, they need a lot of invertebrate uh, protein in their diet so they can grow rapidly, grow their feathers, uh, and become flighted poults that, that can then survive uh, a little bit better. So, so concealment, protection, and then uh, insects and invertebrates mm. are, are all make really good poult habitat that can increase poult survival. Yep, Beyond that, uh, when we when we're talking about adult turkeys that are a lot more mobile, um, it, it's it's foraging areas, roosting areas, um, and then when we get into spring, uh, displaying areas, and then hens are looking for nesting areas. And we can talk about good turkey habitat on a lot of different scales. Eastern Ohio, as an example, is an excellent large-scale landscape of, of good turkey habitat. There's a lot of forest habitat mixed in with open fields, agriculture, which are important components of, of wild turkey habitat as well. They do utilize those areas. They utilize waste grains. They utilize open fields for, for foraging and other mean, uh, other purposes. Uh, actually, some of the counties that we've got, Scioto would be a good example, with very uh, extensive just forest habitat. Um, and a lot of people would think, oh, well, turkeys must love that. There must be a lot of turkeys there. Actually, our, our indices in Scioto County down in southern Ohio, where we've got Shawnee State Forest, turkey numbers are not as great as you see, not as high as you see in some of the eastern Ohio counties that have that more broken landscape of forest and open fields of various sort. Mm-hmm. And then as you get into western Ohio, far too much open agriculture. Right. You'll only really find turkeys where you've got, uh, you know, forest habitat in those areas, and that's typically along the river corridors and other areas that have remained forest for whatever reason. So, um, so yeah, that's that's kind of yeah. the, the overarching ideal turkey landscape. And, and when people are interested in specific habitat types, I, I tend to push them toward that holt habitat, the brood-rearing habitat, because that's such an important component of, of managing a wild turkey population. Well, that sounds good for us because our, our 120 is uh, envelops that eastern yeah, part. Yeah, so definitely. That's a good thing. Yeah, 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 you guys are sitting in a good location. Yes, we are. Yeah, talking about that uh, good location is the hunt. Our last question here for you, Mark, and we'll let you go. I know you're a busy guy. What are some of the uh, the best opportunities for public hunting in, in, in Ohio? I know we kind of touched base a little bit on, on eastern Ohio, is that still the case, that east-central part of the state is the hot spot? It is, yes. Uh, I mean, our top counties in, in recent years have all been uh, sort of that east-central uh, area, uh, Muskingum, Tuscaroras, Coshocton. Um, that jumps around. You know, sometimes those northeastern counties do real well if they've, if they've got good turkey numbers. Um, I've been to Ashtabula, Geauga, and so forth, Trumbull. Eastern Ohio has a number of great advantages. You've got excellent turkey numbers because of the landscape and the habitat that part of the state provides. But you've also got the bulk of Ohio's public land. So, so those of us that aren't blessed 
with good private land access in the areas that we would like to hunt. Eastern Ohio uh, has got some excellent state forests as well as state wildlife areas all open to public hunting. Uh, and uh, I guess naming a few, uh, you can't really go wrong with any of them. I, I, I hate to even highlight a couple. Yeah. I would imagine there's going to be staff members in some of those areas going, hey, Mark, you didn't mention us. <laughs> I'm certain that they've got excellent, excellent poll numbers, but northeast or turkey numbers, I mean. Northeast Ohio, Grand River, uh, I know a lot of people that, that enjoy hunting that area and have success. Yep. Um, and then in East Central Ohio, some really interesting ones that I've always wanted to hunt because it's it's uh, a different type of landscape than I'm used to for wild turkey, and I've just not been able to really get there to during our spring season. But uh, Tri Valley, a, a large strip mine area, reclaimed strip mine with some for, forest habitat mixed in as well, um, and then Woodbury Wildlife Area also, just a, a unique landscape, very large, a lot of acres. Um, I know there are a lot of people that go to those areas and have success. And as I mentioned, it's just a, it's a landscape that if, if you've not been there and tried it, it's a landscape that you wouldn't associate with, with eastern Ohio, certainly. And then we've got other areas uh, scattered all through throughout eastern Ohio that would, be, would fit your more traditional uh, wooded uh, wildlife area with, with open fields mixed in and, and and so forth. Um, Southeast Ohio, um, Waterloo Wildlife Area is a really neat one that's tucked into Zaleski State Forest. So that, that just adds to the, the large expanse of, of woodland that you can you can hunt down there. And Waterloo uh, District 4 does some really neat management down there with some burning. A lot of our areas do, but uh, it seems like there's been a lot of focused attention on oak management at Waterloo Wildlife Area, and they have spring burns, uh, which are very popular among turkey hunters. Anybody that's ever hunted a spring burn in a forested landscape, you'll know that turkeys really enjoy that that habitat. And once it opens up a little bit, it starts to green up again. Um, yeah, yeah, very uh, good. There is an abundance. Of plenty, plenty of choices. Public land. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Ohio. Yeah, yeah, that sound, sounds good, Mark. Well, we want to thank you again, Mark, for your time here today. Um, like I said, I know, know you're busy. There's a lot going on here and turkey season opening up here in, in, in the southern zone of Ohio. So once again, thanks again for your time. And, and we really appreciate you being on the show. Yep. Keep up the yeah, good work, too. We're glad to see uh, things are going well for us. Yeah, we're in the good old days right now. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Hey, you never know what's coming down the line. Maybe turkey numbers will explode one day and then. I'll look foolish, but uh, I, I want to believe that we're probably in the in the good old days now. That's good. That's good. Well, thank you again, Mark, and yep. uh, we wish you the best. Thanks again. Thank you. You too. Okay. All right, Chris. Mark gave us some good good insights there on all things turkey. Do you feel like an expert now? <laughs> no, but I definitely have. Uh, it's amazing the the knowledge that Mark has on that on the turkeys and and the, the history and everything back in Ohio, and it, I'm, it's glad to see. We have an expert in this, you know, keeping an eye on it for us. Yeah, that's what we need. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, it's also nice to hear that we're living the good old days with turkeys. Uh, I know when I was uh, was growing up, you rarely, well, you never saw one practically. Right, right. And now uh, we've got it as good as it's been. And we happen to be in a place where it's as good as it is in Ohio, in the eastern part of Ohio. So that's two good news stories for us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For me, the, the big takeaway was the, the weather. I mean, I knew the weather influenced the, the pulp production somewhat, but I had no idea it was that, made that big of an impact. And he even mentioned there's some pockets of the state, and especially where you and I hunt here in the northeast corner, we, we've had some horrendous spring weather the past few years. You know, last year, um, it was cold and wet, I swear, all the way to June last year. And this year is lining up to be, we had snow here, last week again several inches of snow and hopefully that won't affect the the pulp production too much but i didn't realize how much of an impact that made so um, mark explained that the details in that you know and and it is a it, nothing we could do about it i can't change the weather and you can't change the weather but it's just a plays a major role in the overall population so 
Um, that was my takeaway. It's yeah. just the weather. Our springs have been weird here lately. We haven't had uh, that beautiful spring. And yeah. And Mark kind of said, that's what we need. Yeah. He mentioned something. Uh, I can't remember if his exact words were, but something about the consistency. All the turkey to have an ideal hatch, you just have to have consistent weather, which we haven't had, again, like you mentioned, for a number of years. Yeah. For me, I, I would have thought it were predators. The weather surprised me too. But knowing what I know about predators, you know, as I drive down the road, I see hawks everywhere. There are hawks yeah. upon hawks. And then also what we know that people just don't trap the way they used to, uh, there's foxes. Yeah, that's a good point. Raccoons, I would have thought they'd have had more of an impact than they do. So anyway, we can't change the weather. Uh, we're going to have raccoons and, and predators and forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, ha they have challenges at all stages of life. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. hey, it is what it is, but we've got a good population, so no, that's good. No, and I want to thank Mark again for taking time out of his busy schedule to talk with us. He was really um, excellent to, to interview and um, really a very interesting guy. So let's bring on our next guest here. Um, Keith Hastings is our next guest. Uh, talk a little bit about Keith before we get into his, his interview here. He is an avid outdoorsman, and he loves to hunt and fish, and it really doesn't matter what it is, but his specialty is chasing those spring gobblers on public land. And, you know, I've always told you, Don, I love being around people that are passionate in life about no matter what it is. And boy, is Keith passionate about those spring turkeys. And um, I'm sure we're, we're done when you listen to this interview, you'll agree with us. He, he supplies and, and shares a wealth of knowledge with us here and gives you a bunch of little gems that you could take, little tricks of the trade, you can say. You can start using right away. So let's jump right into that that interview here with Keith. Hey, our next guest is good friend Keith Hastings, who is an avid outdoorsman and specializes in chasing gobblers on public land. Hey, Keith, thanks for taking uh, time out of your busy schedule to talk turkey with us today. Hey, I'm doing doing great here over in Western Pennsylvania. Um, real excited to start talking about turkeys. Getting to be that time of year. Glad to have you today, Keith. Yes, yeah. de definitely. Thanks, guys. When is the uh, turkey season? Before we get started talking the nuts and bolts here, when does it start there in Pennsylvania? Well, that that starts here uh, this Saturday for the youth, okay. and then a, a week from Saturday for the adults. Um, here, I got to look look at my my calendar here. What day is this Saturday coming up? Uh, the twenty the twenty fifth of April. That'll okay. Be the youth opener. Okay. And then the second of May for the for the adult opener. Okay. Okay. Yeah. For us here in Ohio, it's kind of we actually open today in the southern part. The southern part of the state, we have two different zones. Southern part of the state okay. started today, which is the twentieth, and then we actually had our youth season statewide this past weekend, Saturday and Sunday. I did hear some, you know, quite a few turkey were were taken this weekend for by the young That's young kids. Good. Yeah. So that's I good. I do want to clarify that that youth season. That's a one day deal. That's that's on the twenty fifth only. So it's not an opener per se. It's a it's a one day youth hunt, and then on the on May second is a uh, is the no, the opener for the regular turkey season. Okay. Should we assume you're ready to go for May second then? <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I got two kids of my own here. I have a. Uh, my 11 year old daughter and my nine year old son and they're they're ready to go they're, they're out there uh they went my son he went scouting with me yesterday morning we got up at uh 5 30 in the morning and went out there and we checked on a few turkeys that we knew were around and they're still there so we're ready to go yeah it's I, good he got all excited so that was that was good to see him ready to go and i was glad to have him have him with me you know you get a kid out of bed at 5 30 in the morning that's that's kind of impressive so I'm glad he went. <laughs> that's right Hey, Keith, let's talk a little bit about the turkey hunting in your 120. You know, 10 years ago, you know, turkey hunting and, and uh, going around, and I'd, I'd hunt every day. I was a school teacher back then, and I'd hunt every day before school. And, you know, there'd be days, there'd be weeks. I, I would go two weeks sometimes, and I wouldn't even hear a gobble. You know, and that's, that's pretty tough to be getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning, too, you know, and trying to trying to teach and you're nothing but lips and eyeballs you know and, <laughs> and uh you're not yeah you're not you're not hearing too much uh, in the turkey woods and they keep getting up out of bed you know but those those were the tough days and, you know there were there were turkeys out there and 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 uh 
you know, to get to get on a gobbler was pretty exciting just to hear it gobble, you know. And now I still get excited when I hear it gobble. I think you always do. If you don't, there's something wrong with you. But, um, you know, for right now, I, I think it's increased quite a bit, at least in my 120. Uh, I, I travel around a lot in the public lands, but, you know, within within a half an hour of my house, so like say within my 30, I, I got five different locations right now where I have gobblers that I know about. You know, I got five different different spots um and and that's there's probably more than that you know that are out there that i haven't found yet just within 30 minutes of my house uh you know and i, I don't like to get too hung up on just one bird like if, if something's not working out that day i'll i'll go find a different one you know and that's what i like about the public land but i i think it's definitely definitely picking up in my area um the the big thing right now is with this whole virus you know it, People aren't traveling in, and I think that, that the turkey population's there. I just I don't know if, uh, if it, as many the harvest report's going to be as high. I don't think that there's going to be as many killed as, as there normally was. And and kind of speaking to our turkey population taking off, you know, in the last in, maybe maybe only about five years ago. I'm not sure how long long ago it was. Pennsylvania's increased the the turkey tag. You know, you can get two turkeys now. You can get two gobblers. Oh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I did not know yeah. that. Okay, that's so interesting. You can, you can buy a second tag right now. You got to buy it before the season starts. Right. But you're allowed to shoot two two gobblers now in the spring season in Pennsylvania, and that's so that that's telling me populations going getting pretty good. And you know, the, the National Wild Turkey Federation they they're they're doing a lot of good things uh, for the habitat for the hunt. Um, and, and they put on a lot of a lot of good programs and, and making sure that our, our turkey population is strong and healthy. So I, I think they're doing a good job. I think that they're they're managing it well with uh, our our game commission and and uh, the resources that they put out there. So I'm I'm very happy with the turkey population. I think it's getting stronger. Okay, well, that's a good news story and a good news story for you. Uh, you're in the right place. So Keith, you do most of your turkey hunting on public land, correct? Yeah, I mean that's that's what I hunt. You know, I I hunt the public land. Um, there's a lot of different ways to hunt and styles to hunt turkeys, but you know, turkeys are they're birds are all the same. But uh, <clears throat> I uh, I enjoy the public land hunt. I I put on a fair amount of miles and do do a lot of scouting. When I when I say put on miles, I'm I'm driving around. I'm I'm walking a lot uh, just to try to try to hear different birds. Um, you know, and I like to I like to get a keep a little list like i got a list right now of, of different turkeys that i i know about and and uh get them to gobble for my scouting and and things like that uh i get up pretty early in the morning um i think that that's that's the key is getting out and doing it you know i'm i kind of you know want to talk talk today mostly to to turkey hunters that are just kind of getting into it you know and if you've been in it for a while uh you know that's something that <clears throat> i think you can always gain from talking to somebody that's out there doing it too so uh got a bit of a scratchy voice here i've had it had it for the last week i have a lot of meetings so i'm drinking my coffee trying to keep that running but uh now the the difference thing is is you got to get up get up and do it i mean that's one of the biggest things for me is a learning how to be a turkey hunter is not being afraid you know just going and and uh getting out of bed and Going out there and trying to listen to the turkeys and, and listen to the woods in general. Being a being a good turkey hunter really has a lot to do with being a, a good outdoorsman. You know, listening to what's around you, figuring out the, the scene, thinking about the studying the animals that you're after. I think it's uh, that's the same with anything really. If you're going to be a deer hunter, uh, if you're going to be a fisherman, you know, understanding what kind of fish you're after, uh, where where are they going to be this time of year, what are their habits. Um, same, same with turkeys, you know, figuring all that out, putting, putting all the pieces together and the way to do it is to learn to do it is just to go out and do it. You yep. know, don't, don't be afraid. What are you going to do? You know, you're going to not kill a turkey. Right. You're not going to kill them sitting at home. You, yep. know? <laughs> uh, you know, that's me and my friends. We always said the most important piece of turkey hunting equipment is an alarm clock. You know, you got to get <laughs> up and get out of bed. That's right. <laughs> so, that's right. That's right. Hey, Keith, one of the questions that I, I get quite a bit, and you know, we've actually had some people uh, send us some questions on this. If you're a new new turkey hunter, just getting into it, how important is the scouting? I mean, are you do? I know you mentioned here you do quite a bit of that. You do a lot of homework before you even get out into the woods. You would highly recommend that for a new hunter too, correct? 
Absolutely. I mean, and, and it can start, you know, you're driving around and you see a, see a turkey, you know, out in a field somewhere. Well, he's around there. That's where he's he's going to be. You know, he's he's somewhere in that area. Even if you drive by in the afternoon um, or mid-morning and, and you see that turkey there, he's around there. So then what I would do is I would, I would get up really early in the morning. And you can also do it late at night. You know, they'll gobble. They'll gobble in the evenings too, but I like to go out in the mornings when it's crisp and clear and there's not a whole lot of else, you know, the world's just waking up. And, uh, and if you can get him to gobble, then you know where he is, you know, and he's going to be, he's going to be in that area. Now there's a lot of different ways to get him to gobble. Um, I like to, I like to use an owl hoot early, early in the morning. You know, I just get a, get a real, real, uh, you can, you can buy an owl hooter. Um, I've learned to do it with my hands, you know, just to make it, make a noise like, <laughs> very good you know you do that they hear you that that shocks them into gobbling you know it's not that they're afraid of owls or anything they they're just so excited because it's a time of year that they're just excited that they're they're gonna gobble you know nine times out of ten they'll gobble and then you know where they are and i'll leave them i'll just okay i know i know you're there you know you can get them later in the morning you can get them with a crow crow call you could hit a blast on a crow call uh people use hawk screamers or peacock sounds you know and you last ditch effort you could you could get them to gobble by running a turkey call but i don't like to show my hand i don't want them to think you know oh there's a hen over there um because because the reason they're gobbling is because the natural order is for the hen to go to the turkey the hen, well, the hen is a turkey. The hen to go to the gobbler is what it is. Um, you know, that's why they get all puffed up. They get all, they start strutting around and they're gobbling their brains out. Well, that's because, you know, the hen, the hen is supposed to go over to the gobbler. The gobbler is, it's not natural for the gobbler to come chasing the hens around. Um, and that's, that's how that all works. So when you're calling to these turkeys, you got to realize the biggest thing is less is more. You could get them to gobble a thousand times when you're hunting. You right, could get right. them to gobble every time you yell. He could be gobbling. Right. But he's not. He may not be coming into you because he's thinking, "Wow, she's hot for me. I'm just going to stand here and strut, and I'll gobble my brains out. And I'll when she comes over here, she she's she really is. She's got the hots for me. But I like to give them. You know, I I think in my mind, I give them the hot tongue and then I give them the cold shoulder. You know, and you know, I get them going. He he gobbles to my yelp he gobbles to any of my turkey sounds then i start being real quiet you know play the play them play mind games with them you know and and they because it's he's thinking she's gonna come to me you know you want him to reverse the natural order and come and check out where the hen is and if he knows where you are and believe me he knows exactly where you are you make a, you make a turkey sound he could come in and stand right in your lap I mean, that's, that's how good their hearing is. Turkeys have extremely good ears. They have, they have, a, they, they can hear you make a subtle little sound and you'll know, you'll know if they, uh, if they hear it, they gobble back to you, but they got extremely good ears. They got extremely good eyes. You got to be very careful about, about moving too. Cause they'll, they'll see you move. You move, you move your gun barrel an inch. They're going to see that. So you got to be very, very careful about how you move, but realize, realize that uh, they they can hear you, and they know they can pinpoint that like radar. They can they could be standing in your lap. They could pluck the the call right out of your hand or the mouth call right out of your mouth. They know exactly where you are. They'll they'll pinpoint you down. But that's you know that's that's the main thing with that. That's how you how you go about it. Um, less is more with calling. You know, I, I give them a I get them going a little bit. Um, they fly down out of the tree, uh, and then I'm I'm pretty quiet. They'll they can come around to you. So that's that's how that works. Okay, so you'll do one call then. So you you identify where they are the night before. So you go you go in the next morning. You might make one call, correct? Yeah, I, a call or a series of calls. You know, you want to be a you want to act like a turkey, but <clears throat> when they when they re- start to respond to you, they know where you are. You know? Okay. And uh, especially when they're up on a limb, they like to gobble a lot up on the limb. You know, up on when they're roosted up in a tree because okay. they don't have any hens with them. Right. So they want all the hens to come. You know, come to them. They they in their perfect world, they'd be gobbling their brains out, and they'd have about twenty hens 
underneath them ready to go, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and you're, you can't do that because you're, you're not a hen, you're a human, you know, so you can't go running underneath the tree like a hen. So you gotta, you gotta convince him like, Hey, I'm over here and he may have a hen or two underneath them and you, and that's hunting. You got to contend with that. Right. You know, when I say, I, when I say I don't call a lot, that's when I know I got a gobbler out there that has the hot for me. I'm, I want him to come in. So I want to be play hard to get. We've made a couple of calls. Now you're patient. Now you mentioned you, you kind of sit tight and wait, let them make the next move. Correct. Yeah. I like to sit tight and wait. I like, and, and it's, it gets down to woodsmanship a little bit. Like you may be calling and, and he may be going in a different direction. He might be heading, you know, you're, you're sitting South and he starts to head West or East or North or something. Well, <clears throat> you got to get up and move, you know, get around them. And, you may not be able to do that if you're on private property and you can't, you got a boundary or something. Right. I right. hunt a lot in public land and, and I can you know start to see the lay of the land. What's the topography like? You know, do I want to, I want to get up above them maybe and call them up, call them up to me. Uh, sometimes I, you know, being in, having some vegetation around is a really good thing. You know, you want, you want that turkey to come in and commit to your gun range before he can see you. Like if I can get him and call him up over a ridge so that he can't see me until he's 20 yards away, because I want to force him then to come and take a peek, seeing what's, what that hen looks like. Right, right. You know, so if you can see, if you can, if you're sitting in a, trying to call a turkey in where he can see uh, 200 yards, that's, that's going to be real hard for you because he's got really good eyes. Yeah. He says, oh, well, there's a hen out there. And she's supposed to come to me, and I can't. I I'm looking, and I, she should be there, and I I don't see her. Something's something's not right, you know. Yeah. And that's where that's where uh, decoys they can come into a little bit of handy. I I have some, but most of the time I I don't use them. You know, some people use them, and they're real successful around fields. I've never never done real well with the decoys, just because I my game is I try to call them in and take a look, and and by the time they take a look. I, I shot him. Right, you know? right. Um, and that's that's kind of how I do it. Uh, but some people do it real well. I mean, they, they because the natural thing is, I see that hen, she should be coming to me. So if I can see her and she's 120 yards out, I'm going to stand here and strut and gobble and see if she comes over. You know, and if she doesn't want she doesn't want to come over, then maybe she's not ready for me. Okay. Now you made uh, quite a bit of mention about calling. Could you tell us, um, condense it for uh, for that beginner? What what calls should they get to start with? And I know you got the slate calls, box calls, mouth calls, and then you mentioned some of these other ones, uh, these hoot calls. W- what should that beginner yeah. grab for a call? I'll tell you what worked for me. I found a, an old Quaker boy box call when I was about sixteen years old in an old house. That, that was on a farm that my dad bought. And uh, I took that call and I called my, I got that when I was about 16. It was just an old box call. It's the only call I had. And I called in a nice long beard when I was about 22 years old. And that was the first turkey I ever called in myself. And all I had was that box call. And that's all I needed. You know, and all I could do on it was make yelps. Yelps and a few clucks. Okay. And and this turkey, that, that this giant long beard, I called him in and I shot him. I shot him at about six yards. Wow. I, he was he was so close that I shot his beard right off of him. Because <laughs> <laughs> the pattern was so tight on my shotgun that I put the bead right on his chest, right in the middle of it, and he was facing me. He was looking right at me. Wow. And, and I. I blasted it. It looked like somebody took a pair of scissors, you know, and there was about, there was about eight strands of beard left that didn't get sheared off. And they were about 10 inches long. And, uh, the rest of it, you know, he, he got the wad right in his chest. And, but I'm saying that because, you know, you get yourself a nice box call that you're fine. You don't need to be a world champion turkey caller. Right. Don't, don't let anybody kid you. The worst sounding turkeys in the woods are real turkeys, you know, <laughs> yeah. they, they wouldn't, they probably lose in the, in the turkey calling competitions, you know, the real deal. So, you know, you get out there and you can make a nice yelp, you know, it, just practice it. You know, you can learn to do that in five minutes with a box call. Your confidence is, is more important than, 
than the sounds that you're making. Now, you want to make a decent turkey sound. Now, there's no doubt about that, but you'll be fine. You get a box call, you get one of those push, push button calls, you know, then you want to start getting into to the next level of turkey hunting after you get comfortable with it. Then, then go and get a slate call. And, and then really the advantage for a mouth call is that when you go out by yourself, you're hands-free. Right, you know, I, right. I'm hunting, I'm hunting alone. Now, I mean, so a lot of times now I'm comfortable enough with a mouth call, but it took me took me years until uh, till I was really comfortable with it. But now, you know, you call one in and, and now you got confidence. And, you know, they say confidence is a very fragile thing. Um, but that's, that's the key, you know. And, and really, it's... It's more about being patient when you're calling and knowing knowing when to call and less is more. You know, turkeys, when they're coming in, now this is this is a big tip here. When they're coming in, you watch them on TV, they don't come in strutting and gobbling. That's rare. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see them, this big giant display of a turkey coming into you, strutting for 100 yards away, gobbling his brains out. You know where he is all the time. It's you sit still and he's coming in quiet and he's, he's not going to be strutting most of the time. It's, it's rare, you know, for right. him to come in and be all displayed. You watch, he's, he's not going to be gobbling. It's going to be the next thing, you know, you know, the turkey that you kill, it's going to be real quiet. He's going to be coming in and he's going to be slipping in and he's going to be taking a peek. Right. And, and you may have to shoot him on the walk by, you know, he's yeah. gonna, and he ain't going to hang. He probably ain't going to hang around long, you know? So that's, that's what you need to be ready for. It's, and when, you, when you're calling that turkey and he's engaged and, and you hear him gobble out there at 100 yards, he could close that in, in 10 seconds. So you don't move. Just because you don't hear him, don't move. Right. You know? Um, right. Now, and one last piece with calling, you know, it's turkey scratch the ground a lot. They scratch the ground in them dry leaves. And they can hear that. So you can. If you want to you mix that up with your calling a little bit, reach down and scratch some leaves a little bit. They, they hear that. It makes them think that there's a hen over there. And she's, she's feeding. And, and you can listen listen for those kind of things with a gobbler. You know, you may, he may not be gobbling, but you might hear him walking through the leaves. Right. You know, and then you got to be ready. Don't, yeah. don't move. Don't move. They'll see you. Hey, you know, one of the other questions that came up, Keith, too, besides the, the type of call and the decoys were blinds. Do you use them? Yes or no? And if so, what blind are you using? Well, I, I've never hunted a turkey out of the blind. Um, I think that if you do, there's a place for that, and it might be around a field edge, uh, you know, where you got your decoys out. Uh, maybe you have a youth hunter that moves around a lot, and you, you, you know, you're afraid of moving a lot. Um, then that might that might work around a field edge. But for me, I'm I'm pretty mobile. Um, I'll sit down next to a tree that's behind me. So it breaks me up. Uh, I wear camouflage, but but more important than camouflage is not moving. You know, camouflage is, is good. Wearing a nice face mask, uh, gloves. You know, you want to make sure that you're not shiny or anything like that. But uh, I I like to be mobile because if if like I said earlier, that that turkey's heading in a different direction, and they may do that. And maybe you want to get ahead of him. You know, he's going to head out this ridge. Oh, well, I'm not on that ridge. Well, if I if I make a big loop and I swing around and I get I get about six or seven hundred yards ahead of him or something like that. You know, a quarter mile even, maybe four hundred yards. Get out ahead of him. He he's heading that way. He may just be by. You know, right. And moving a little bit, moving a little bit can really put you in a good position because then. You know, if that turkey's a little bit unsure about you, he's like, "Oh, that that hen, she's moving around." Well, I may maybe I'll go check out check on her. She sounds pretty real. Um, I like to be mobile, so I'm not a I'm not a blind guy. Okay. Um, but but with that movement, you got to be real careful. I want to I do want to talk a little bit about safety. Uh, you never ever ever go sneaking up on a gobbler. Don't don't do that. Or if you hear any turkey sounds, don't don't go sneaking up on that. You know, if you hear, you don't know if that other turkey sound, if that's a hen, um, or if that's a guy. You know, and, right. and if there's a gobbler there that's gobbling, there might be somebody else hunting that turkey too. And then they see you moving around. That, that's a dangerous situation. And, yeah. And when you're doing that, when you go out hunting, you know, camo is not the most important thing, but but don't wear black. And don't wear red, white, and blue because when those turkeys heads they get excited, they turn red, white, and blue. You know, and that's yeah. something that you can look for. 
Right, right. So I just I wanted to mention that. Don't don't stalk the turkeys, and and be careful about what you're wearing. Don't wear turkey colors. Uh, the next question I had for you, Keith, was back to the the new turkey hunter again. You know, what other resources might that new turkey hunter use? Uh, I guess I'm looking for something like an app or a website, maybe a book. What uh, what would you point that new you, uh, turkey hunter to? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you um, tell you a few things that I that I uh, have used as, as far as uh, my to shape my thinking or, or stuff that I use currently right now. And, and uh, number one for me, I'm a public land hunter. Uh, I, I use that Onyx map that, that, you know, it's an app that you can get on your phone and you can access it on your computer. And it tells you all the public lands and it tells you the private lands <clears throat> it tells you who the landowners are. You can save, save locations on there, write notes in it, take a picture and keep it on there. I, I don't know how you would live as a hunter without the Onyx map hunt, hunt app. Um, I just, I use it all the time and for everything. So I, I would look at that. Um, there's a lot of promo codes out there for it. It's, it's $30 a year, but I would, I would pay it every year. Uh, sounds like money well spent. Every, every state. Oh, absolutely. For me, I mean, I spend more, that's, that's, that's a half a tank of gas. I mean, you know, and I, I have friends that they don't even, you know, they don't have it yet. And I don't know why. I don't, maybe they use mine. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> they, they probably are, Keith. They probably are. Yeah. You know, it's like how in the world you can get it for every state in the United States. Um, as a matter of fact, I have it for every state in the United States because it's I, that's that important to me. I, I I just don't know how I'd go about it. Um, another one is I, I check the weather quite a bit, you know, and and I use a I use a wind app actually on my phone, and uh, you know I I originally got it for deer hunting. Uh, I like to know what direction the wind's going, but. But uh, it tells me how fast the wind's going to be blowing. And the thing is, is <clears throat> it's hard to hunt turkeys when you can't hear them. And it's hard to hear them when the wind's blowing hard. So I like when I, I pick out what days I'm going to go scouting based on how, how much the wind's going to be blowing in the morning. Yeah. You know, if there's a 15-mile-an-hour wind at 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm not going out to listen for turkeys because I won't be able to hear them, you know. Um I want I want that real crisp, clear morning. I can go out there and I can listen for when them turkeys are going to be out there. Um, you can hunt them in the rain, you know, and you can hunt them in the wind, and I and I would. But uh, ideal conditions, if you're going to take some time off to go hunting, uh, or you you want to look at your chances of being successful, I, wind wind plays a plays a bit into that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that makes sense the way you explained it for sure. Yeah, uh, just. General, general turkey hunting, you want to get some, some tips and stuff like, you know, you're, you, maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, man, I'm, I'm all fired up. I want to, I want to be a turkey, turkey hunting junkie. I want to learn about all, everything I can right, right now. Uh, some things that, that helped me or that currently helped me even like I, I, uh, I get on YouTube, you know, and I, I like to, to kind of see what other guys are doing, calling in turkeys and how I'm real particular about how they handle the situation. You know, when they have a turkey coming in, um, how, how are they calling to that turkey and what's that turkey doing? And that turkey does something. What do they do in response? You know, I don't I don't listen for for YouTube videos that play a whole bunch of rock and roll music when the turkey's coming in. I, I don't that doesn't help me at all. I'm trying to see what's going on here. I, I don't really care about them shooting the turkey. I just want to see how it, how it comes in and how they're playing the situation. Where where are they setting up? Um, one one good one good group out there right now is putting out some really good videos. Is it's called the Hunting Public. And they go on a turkey tour every year and they're down in Tennessee right now, I think. And I would, I'd get on there, you know, look up the hunting public They're They, they talk about what they're doing. They're, you know, they're a group of young guys and they travel around the country and, you know, they, they go down around South and they, they, uh, they, they shoot a lot of turkeys, but they, they explain how they're doing it. So I'd watch that. Okay. Um, before they were around, I, you know, old Denny Galvis, he's a Pennsylvania guy. I, you know, he had some good videos on there that really, really helped me out. You know, he he, he used to make calls, and he was, he's a champion caller. Um, but he he ex, he would explain uh, he would explain what's going on. So if you you can find it, it might that may be harder to find. But I watched a couple of his videos, and they they really really pointed me in the right direction. And and lastly, you know, if you're a reader, 
and you just want to kind of kind of have a comical book that kind of gets you in the, the turkey hunting mind frame or try to try to put you in the, the mind frame of a turkey. Uh, there's one called the 10th Legion and it, it's uh, written by a guy named Tom Kelly. He's, he's probably pretty old right now, but I have one of the, I have the 10th, 10th Legion book that he has. He's, he's down there in that Alabama, Mississippi area, but, uh, he wrote a pretty pretty interesting book about that uh, turkey hunt. He kind of equates equates gobblers to uh, to uh, sailors when they come into port. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, he's, he's kind of he's kind of talking about it in that in that rant realm of things. Yeah. But, uh, it's a, it's an interesting book, and and he kind of kind of gets you thinking a little bit about the the diversity of turkey hunting. Some so I, that's just kind of an interesting read. Um, but there's a lot of stuff to read out there. You can't, you know, you're not going to go wrong reading some of these guys that are that are out there on the internet. Um, you know, pick up stuff, but stick to the basics. Don't, you know, it's not. Don't get psyched out about how you, how what you have to do is is so specific. Go out and make some mistakes. There's nothing wrong with that. What are you going to do? Not kill a turkey? I mean, that's okay. You know, right. I I've not killed turkeys when I was learning because. I moved, you know, I, I remember one time Turkey comes in, I'm, I'm getting excited. He's gobbling. I moved my gun barrel an inch, just one inch because I'm, I'm getting antsy. And he saw that, you know, put it a couple times, turned around and left because he didn't, he didn't like that. He, he noticed that I moved. Well, I learned, yeah. I learned it can't move. Yeah. You know, I've had, I've taken people out, you know, they, they get antsy and they move. That's part of the game. Well, well guess what? You move and you blew it and hunt a different turkey, you know, or we'll get it, go after him another day. And that's, that's part of it. That's part of the fun. You learn it. I'm still learning. All right. One thing uh, we didn't get to is, is the, the big finish. What about, what about the gun and the ammo you're using? Uh, for that beginner, what's that one gun that uh, he might want to think about? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think that <clears throat> right now, you know, with the ammunition that's out there, uh, you can put a lot of different combinations together. Um, I use a 12 gauge. I use a three inch mag mag uh, uh, shell. Um, specifically, what I, what I use is the long beard ammunition with a number five or number six shot, and I have a pretty good tight tur- turkey choke on that. Um, pretty good constriction on my 12 gauge. And, and I'll tell you, I shot turkeys that are, that are pushing 40 yards. I really don't like to shoot them that far. Um, I, uh, most of mine are within the, uh, within the 20, 20 to 30 yard range that I, that I shoot at. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, so that's, that's what I use. I like that long beard ammunition. Um, they have like a rosin that holds all the, the BBs together and it, it's been working really, really well for me. They, they make heavy shot, you know, and it, it's, it can be really expensive. You might be in anywhere between, uh, five and $10 per shell. Wow. You, know, you can reach out there. You get the right right gun and equipment together, and you can shoot a turkey at 70 yards if you want to. But, you know, to be honest with you, I like the interaction with the bird. I like to call them in close. Um, I enjoy that. You know, that's, yeah. that's what's enjoyable for me. I, To be honest with you, I don't have to kill a turkey to, to feel good, you know. Right, um, right. I, so for me, it's the interaction. I like to get them in close. You know, if, if I don't feel good about it, I, I'm okay letting them go. You know, it's just, that's all right. Um, but on the other end of the spectrum, my daughter last year, she shot a turkey with a 410. And and she, I bought her that real expensive ammo. It was $5 a shell. And, and it was worth every penny because it got her out turkey hunting. Yeah. And, uh, that turkey was 22 yards, shot it, shot it dead. And uh, we use Grandpa's old 410 with a regular full choke in it. You know? Wow! So you you get the right combination. Um, but I wouldn't. I would. I would hunt with something that's a three inch Magnum. Uh, five or six shots, really good. The interesting thing with that 410, what makes it work is that you can shoot nine shot out of it, and it's really really heavy, dense dense metal. And that's what that's what allows you to shoot the tiny shot out of it. The real the density of the metal. Okay. Um, and it, it was lethal, 22 yards. I mean, that, that put it right down. So uh, that's that's what works for her. 410 gets the kids in the game. Well, once again, we want to thank you for your time here today. I know you're a busy guy with everything going on. 
And uh, good luck, good luck turkey hunting. Yeah, good luck turkey hunting. And I'll let you know how Don and I do this year too. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that sounds good, guys. You, you stay in touch, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll share stories here. Definitely, definitely. Thanks, Keith. Okay, I want to thank Keith again for taking time out of his busy schedule to talk with us. And I think now you know what Don and I were talking about earlier when we mentioned how passionate uh, Keith is about chasing those spring gobblers. He really is, and. A great guy to talk to. So it's a um, guy with turkey in his blood. Honestly, it it uh, it's refreshing to talk to somebody like that. It really is. So just to let you know, Keith isn't kidding either. He mentions in the interview that um, he had his his uh, daughter and son out turkey hunting last year, and they had some success. Well, he's already done it this year. His daughter uh, was able to bag a nice tom here on the opening Youth Day in Pennsylvania, and um, she was able to do that with her four ten. So. I thought that was interesting. So he's a man of his word there. So a couple things, Don, for me uh, that I got away, took away from um, from the interview with Keith. One of them was safety, but it is important. And, and Keith mentions that the basics, make sure you're not wearing black or red, white or blue at anywhere on your clothing or your camo at all. You don't want to be mistaken for a gobbler. So I'm not going to go into great detail on that, but I know it's an issue every time you're hunting out there, whether it's private or public land. Make sure you're practicing good safety measures. You know, think back to your hunter safety course and don't wear black, red, white, or blue. Well, for me, Chris, well, this is kind of for you too. Uh, he was talking about the basics and the good old box call. Uh, this is going to let you lighten up your gear bag significantly. <laughs> yes, it will. You just got to get down to that box call. Yeah. Uh, you can do a lot with that. Uh, I know everybody wants to sell you everything there is for, for everything you might do hunting or fishing, but it's nice when uh, simple works. And according to, according to Keith, simple works, just keep that box call. Yeah. And I've, it's funny cause I've had some success calling in, in some birds with my box call. I just kind of got away from it last year and now I'm ready to kick myself for that. So this year I'm going to go back to the box call and just stick with that this year and see how that works for me. So, but the other thing for me too, and I had a laugh because you know how I am with the morning routine. I, I'm so used to getting up early. And when he mentioned the biggest enemy of a successful turkey hunter is an alarm clock, I had a laugh because I've been saying that not only for work, but for all the fishing I've done with that alarm clock is your biggest enemy. So uh, what Keith's trying to say there is you got to set that alarm clock early, get out there in the woods um, before sunup. Well, you know, big, that's a big takeaway too. That's the biggest Achilles heel for me. <laughs> um, that hurdle is might as well be a high jump. A high jump for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other thing too, that Keith mentioned is scouting. Um, you're not going to know turkeys until you get out there and rub elbows with them. You got to get out and scout, got to get out in the evening and you got to get out and pay your dues. You can, you can hear that Keith paid his dues and that's paid off for him. So yeah. That's a, that's an important one. No, that definitely, and you know, the thing that the, I thought the interview was great with Keith that he did go into detail on a lot of things, but he kind of kept it at a basic level for, for not only for, for you and I, uh, which I appreciate because I'm certainly not a Turkey expert. Oh, you're going to admit it now. Yeah. And no, I'm going to admit it. Even though I passed the quiz, <laughs> <laughs> I passed that quiz. I got to make sure I tell my wife that, <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's just good to, 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 get reinforced with a lot of things that you've you've picked up over the years that you were doing right and then some of the things that you can correct so um i thought that was really good all good stuff yeah very okay don uh as we do with every podcast uh what is your parting shot well we just passed earth day here recently chris and earth day is one of those days that brings awareness to a lot of people about all things it connected to our environment it does for me, has for a long time. This year's a little bit different when it comes to Earth Day. Um, there's never a time that our individual actions and things we we do and can do make a difference in the places we want to be, whether that be our, our, our rivers and streams or, or the woodlands that we use. Oftentimes, uh, organized activities take place to, to, to bring that awareness and maybe shine places up. This particular year, those have been kiboshed, so we don't have those. So those individual actions we can take are never more important than they are this year. And there are many things we can do as individuals, particularly as, as hunters or fishermen. You know, take a bag with you in the boat. If you see something, 
pick it up and take it back. You didn't put it there, but you can at least erase something that maybe blew out of somebody's boat or somebody tossed and you can, you can make your word a little, a little better. Same's true for the areas you hunt. You know, a lot of times you hunt on, on public lands or private lands. And, you know, we, we share those with uh, either landowners or, or, or the public property. And, and, you know, as a shared resource, we have a hand in it too, and, and we can help those too. So that's it for me. Okay. So my, my parting shot um, would definitely be what I'm passionate about too. We talked about this a couple of shows ago. We've taken kids hunting and fishing and another great opportunity here with, with everything that's going on in the world today. The kids are not going to have a lot of those activities that they normally do all summer or spring and summer. So it's going to be a great opportunity for us to, to get out there and take them turkey, turkey hunting and then get them out there fishing. So I'm not going to go into it too great detail. Folks know what I'm talking about. And so it's a great opportunity for us to get them out there. So that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, get outdoors and do something in your 120. One Twenty Outdoors is a monthly podcast focusing on hunting and fishing opportunities within 120 miles of your residence. We will share stories and interview interesting people. Find us on social media and be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on any podcast app. Thank you.